Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Carolyn Vallejo, ACG's digital editor. At a recent ACG Los Angeles event, aerospace and defense dealmakers and industry experts gathered to share their insights into the market and what's ahead for M&A activity. One of those experts, Michael Richter, who's managing director and global head of aerospace and defense at asset management and financial advisory firm Lazard, joins us today to discuss some interesting and potentially overlooked niches in the A&D space, and he offers his take on why the market remains a strong space for investors despite a challenging deal-making environment. Michael, thank you so much for joining the Conversations podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We're talking aerospace and defense M&A opportunity today, and the first thing that I wanted to touch on is kind of a, a, a little remark that you said during your presentation at a recent ACGLA event about aerospace and defense M&A opportunity. You mentioned during that event that the naval ship uh, repair and maintenance space is particularly interesting for dealmakers right now, but it's not one that is you know really heard about too often. Could you go a little bit into what's happening in the space and why it might be an attractive investment target? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the um, unseen, unheard markets that are pretty interesting from my perspective from an M&A perspective because of the um, the extent of the budget. I believe the fiscal year 24 budget request is $14 billion. And more interestingly, it's doubled since 2008. And the cost per ship has also grown. And it's expected to continue to grow based on contracting data. And so there's very few markets that we focus on that are that substantial and growing that well. And yet there's virtually no M&A that happens in that area. And yet it seems like it could be and should be an excellent opportunity from uh, an M&A perspective. And the best example is a deal that we just did, uh, which was Titan Holdings. And this was uh, approximately a $2 billion deal from Carlisle, which owned Titan. And it was acquired by Lone Star Funds. And we were the sole M&A advisor on the buy side, representing Lone Star. And the owners, again, were Carlisle and Stellex. Carlisle and Stellex have long been interested in this space with companies like IMIA and Titan, etc. You know, I think that the, the negative here is that the concentration is already pretty high. And so the ability for, for large players in the market to combine, I think, is pretty difficult, whereas smaller mid-market transactions are alive and well. But I think the larger transactions will face um, some scrutiny from both a, a customer standpoint, meaning uh, the Navy, as well as potential DOJ issues. But mid-cap deals should be alive and well. and and that's why we're able to get something like Titan done. And that is, you know, not really a controversial deal because it's basically going from one financial sponsor, Carlisle, to another, Lone Star. And so there's not too much um, intrigue around a transaction like that. And, you know, the, the, the trends to me look good. Um, there's a strong investor interest in ship repair and ship modernization where many governments have prioritized spending on national security, particularly naval threats, 
which have led to an increased focus on naval readiness, naval expansion, and modernization. And um, with the U.S. military priorities shifting from counterterrorism to great power competition, uh, i.e. from China and Russia, you know, the focus on the marine market and ship repair in particular could be and should be uh, a great area of growth. And I don't know too, too many people out there who are thinking about this and saying that, but I think there, there could be and should be more deals in that space and more investment in that space. You've mentioned in previous interviews with ACG and during the conference that labor shortages are among some of the most challenging headwinds for the airspace and defense space overall. Do you think this is also a concern for naval ship maintenance and repair? Yeah, absolutely. There, I, I think I don't think there's a single pocket within the A and D space that's not impacted by la- labor shortages. And um, I I don't know that it's necessarily more severe in naval than it is uh, in aviation market, but you know at the lower end of the market, you know machinists and assemblers and laborers, um, there are a lot of uh, alternatives. Uh, that may involve higher pay. I mean, if someone can go work in an air-conditioned facility for Amazon at 28 bucks an hour, it's harder for companies like this to fill, you know, $20 per hour opportunities. And um, some might view the Amazon-type job as more interesting, more (laughs) air-conditioned, more more, uh, cozy, and uh, whereas some of these uh, jobs are more uh, laborious and difficult in the A&D space. And so they've had a lot of difficulty, A, hiring and B, retaining talent. And I think that persists across the entire A&D landscape and with no exception for um, naval. Right. Speaking of the entire A&D landscape, I do want to talk to you a bit about some other kind of niches in the space that you find particularly attractive for dealmakers um, into 2024. Let's start on the defense side because, you know, of course, current events are really driving a lot of attention to defense and defense spending. What are some other pockets in the space that you're finding uh, some growing interest in within defense? Within defense, it's perhaps the strongest area of activity. And um, that includes, uh, you know, wide spectrum of services as well as hardware production. So on one hand, you have consumables, which are things like munitions and mortars and, and things that are directly used in the consumption of conflicts. You also have more defensive products like chaff and flare, which protect American warfighters. And um, there is certainly a significant increase in demand for, for, for those type of products. On the other side of the spectrum, you have you know a very sort of high-end focus at the top of the pyramid, including UAVs, um, surveillance, C4ISR, and a variety of uh, defense electronics products that are... Um, you know, in very high demand. And that's the area that's, you know, historically been most interesting, particularly companies that are not heavily technology dependent or platform dependent. The more agnostic you are as to technology, the more likely uh, that you'll have a robust business and the more likelihood of having a robust M&A transaction. 
you know, a good example is a company that we recently sold called Case Space. It's Cobham Advanced Electronics. We sold it for approximately two billion to Veritas Capital, and that's a company that makes uh, defense electronics for uh, satellites uh, in the new space market. And um, they're basically agnostic as to technology, program, funding, the bus or the payload of the satellite, and they're selling these products to anyone and everyone. And that's why there was such extreme interest in that company, and we got it done for an, uh, an attractive multiple uh, because of the underlying strength of that business. And I'm sure Veritas will do very well with it as well. So I would say the interest in defense companies has been very strong and will continue to be strong. And I see nothing that, uh, on the horizon uh, where that um, should change. We'll get back to our interview in just a moment after a word about DealMax, the annual conference hosted by the Association for Corporate Growth. DealMax returns to the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas on April 29th through May 1st. The event will once again bring together middle market dealmakers from across the globe for networking, content sessions, roundtable discussions, and more. Registration is now open at dealmax.org. And general attendees can save up to $600 with early bird pricing until January 23rd. So don't wait. Book your spot today. We look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Now, back to the interview. Let's turn our attention to the aerospace side of things. One thing I'm particularly interested in discussing is commercial air travel. You know, travel volumes seem to have rebounded after, you know, the massive, massive slump that we that we saw during the pandemic. On the other hand, we all we're also hearing a lot about supply chain challenges for for parts that are that are continuing to kind of weigh down on the space. What is your outlook for M&A in that regard? First, it was uh, COVID and then it was a 737 max crashes. And then it was uh, supply chain issues. And so a variety of uh, hits were endured by the, the commercial aerospace business. But that has been improving steadily. We're principally out of the, the COVID scare. Uh, business travel is up dramatically past the 2019 level at this point. And logistical problems are, are still there, but they're nearing the horizon as production is catching up to the increasing demand. And so if you think about it, it's, uh, it's kind of the perfect storm where you have supply uh, somewhat limited and demand at an all-time high. And so the, the, the demand, so to speak, for the companies that are in the supply chain is very high, particularly companies that are well-capitalized, well-funded, well-managed, and it's just you know, a perfect opportunity to buy companies in the commercial aero supply chain, whether it's um, engine machiners, forging companies, casting companies, fabricators, uh, precision machiners, uh, all of those sectors are, are growing incredibly well, finally, because of the underlying strength of uh, air travel globally and the resulting impact it has on companies that 
manufacture jet parts and also all the ancillary services and MRO that accompanies that growth as well. Now, there are a lot of PE firms and other investors that are very well-versed in aerospace and defense and, and indeed specialize in the space. For potential acquirers that are seeing some of these tailwinds, some of the strengths in the in the industry that you just pointed out, they're wondering if they, they should and can step in. What do they need to know about the industry in the deal sourcing and the due diligence phases of their deal making? Well, the first thing that you need to know and need to be comfortable with is that there, there's a fair amount of concentration in, in this sector. And in other areas, that's a problem. But in A&D, you can tell a real A&D investor versus a non-real A&D investor based on their comfort with concentration. I mean, it's a, a duopoly with Boeing and Airbus to begin with. And so when, when a company says that they're concerned about the concentration, it shows me that they really don't have a deep understanding of the AD marketplace because that's basically the structure. And yet many companies have done extremely well buying and selling in the aerospace market. And you need to apply different standards to the market than in other markets and have a greater appreciation for that concentration. Now, if your concentration is on you know third and fourth tier programs, then yeah, <laughs> then I get the concern about concentration. But if a company is is uh, you know selling to Boeing and Airbus platforms, that's fabulous. If the company is selling to both Pratt and GE engine platforms, that's fabulous. That's a level of diversification that not everyone has, but everyone wants. And so concentration is is issue number one. Issue number two is cyclicality that industrial market and AMD in particular is a highly cyclical market and it comes and goes. And um, you just need to not lose it when you're in a down part of the cycle because, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years and I've sold 370 uh, companies in the AMD space in my career. And it always comes back. It always comes back. And, uh, you know, through major shocks like logistics problems and COVID and and 9-11 and SARS and all these huge shocks on the uh, on the business. And yet it always comes back and it comes back higher than it was before. And so, you know, you can't promise in, in blood that that'll definitely happen in the future. But I think, you know, history repeats itself and uh, we've seen the market bounce back many times through these cycles. Excellent. So it sounds like you're expecting a pretty strong, pretty strong year for aerospace and defense when it comes to M&A activity, particularly in the in the middle and lower middle market for 2024. Right. I mean, I, th- I think I'd rather not forecast a specific level of, of deal flow going forward. But I would say that the underlying um, fundamentals appear very strong from my perspective. Wonderful. Michael, thanks again so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard today, please give us a rating and write a review. It really does go a long way in helping other listeners find out about us. 
This podcast is produced by the Association for Corporate Growth, the largest membership association for middle market M&A and corporate growth professionals. We host networking events across the world. We publish magazines and special reports and much, much more. Learn more about the benefits of membership at acg.org and consider joining us as a member. Last thing, if there is a topic you want to hear us talk about on this podcast, a guest you think would be great, or even if you just have some general feedback you want to share, we would love to hear about it. Please send us a note to editor at acg.org. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.